0: It's time for hey, the Finatics hey, Miami hey, Dolphins hey, podcast hey, on hey, the Finatics hey, Network. Hey, hey,
1: hey.
2: Everybody, Welcome to another edition of the Fit Attic Network podcast. Your host Jason Sarni here. My co-host is Drew Welsh and we have a very special guest. You may have seen him in the last 365 plus days and around football coverage on CBS. We have Kevin Ballard. How you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing well, Jason. Thanks for having me. Of course. So
2: uh, before we get into it, you know, why don't we get uh, a little bit of a background of Kevin and your football life and how you really got uh, into covering what you're covering and give us a little backdrop of what you're doing these days.
1: Well, right now I do a lot of social media for CBS Sports covering the NFL. I do uh, I run the Instagram, Twitter accounts for the Pick 6 podcast, which is CBS's daily NFL podcast. I also contribute to NFL on CBS as well as just CBS Sports' main feeds for generic NFL content on all platforms. Um, I came from when you guys saw me, I was at 24-7 Sports, which is a – smaller company owned by CBS Sports, uh, where I got my start as a national NFL uh, columnist, analyst, um, got to go to a few Super Bowls, the Combine, drafts. Uh, I was living in Nashville at the time. Now I'm back relocated in New Jersey, closer to our New York City offices. Uh, Before that, I worked at Fox Sports covering the NFL and Bleacher Report as a New York Giants columnist. Uh, I got my start in journalism at the Raleigh News and Observer covering local uh, college and high school sports uh, and worked my way up from there. So that was a that was like 2013 or so. So it's been a wild ride to get to here. Uh, and uh, it just keeps going. And and I'm riding this wave just like everyone else is. Love
2: hearing that. And, you know, I
1: love hearing, you
2: know, you mentioned you're in the Raleigh reporter you know the journalism grind you know you start out where you can you build up and now you're covering news nationally for CBS so congratulations to you and really I got to give you a lot of credit you know uh you're on a dolphin show and the situation last year with uh, an opinion uh and that's you're more than entitled to your opinion and uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit but I do want to commend you for coming on in you got some guts my friend we're gonna be Nice and light, but, uh, you know, us Dolphin fans, we love to smell that blood in the water, but
1: we'll keep oh, it. Oh, Jason, don't hold back. Don't hold back.
2: <laughs> oh, forget it. Now, we'll keep the hot lines <laughs> open. Now, we'll get it all in now. We'll open up the floodgates, but I'm going to kick it to my man, Drew. I know he's got some questions, too, and we'll rock and roll here.
0: Okay, before we go too far in anything, and I know everybody wants us to get to a certain t- topic, but we'll let them wait a little bit longer. That guy. So... As far as what's going on in the NFL this year, as far as COVID-19, what kind of things, obviously we pay a lot of attention to the Dolphins. What kind of things are you seeing across the league as far as differences you're seeing in the way just things are being done?
1: Well, there's a lot of different policies in terms of they're letting the team decide how many uh, fans they're going to have in the stadiums. I think that's one of the biggest differences that you're seeing across the league Um, and actually Roger Goodell addressed it today uh, during a press conference and uh, but overall I think fans are just hoping that they're gonna get 16 games a full season uh, uninterrupted Um, we saw every other league from the spring through the summer have some sort of interruption a shortened season a condensed format uh, putting the players in a bubble The NFL has an opportunity to bring a degree of normalcy back to sports this fall. Yes, the fans will be – there will be fewer fans in the stadiums. In some cases, no fans in the stadiums. That's going to feel a little weird. There's going to be other things that already are that make it feel a little weird. No preseason. And that's the biggest thing I think that's hurting the NFL's momentum is it can't really, you know, get the ball rolling we're less than a week away or, or we're just over a week away from the start of the season at this point. And the hype level feels lower than ever. And it's not because people aren't interested in the NFL. It's just the normal cues that you have, whether it's your fantasy draft or just seeing the hall of fame game, seeing the third week of the preseason where you get the starters in those normal cues that we have, or if you're a fan who goes to the training camp every year, um, are not there they're not present and they're not tipping off the fans that hey this is going to start soon but I really do think when week 1 uh gets gets going next Thursday between the Chiefs and the Texans and then into the rest of the weekend the double header on Monday night I think by the end of Monday night it's going to feel normal again
2: Great take there I love how you mentioned the fact that you know The game's coming up, you got the Chiefs, you got the Texans, so excellent way to, you know, obviously tease the season starting, which really feels, as you said, kind of anticlimactic leading up into this because of, you know, we love that third preseason game. So that's something that is tough right now. and. Around the league, you know, Jacksonville had a situation recently with Leonard Fournette. I want to really specifically talk about them because they're similar to what really we heard last year. Uh, Your video about the Miami Dolphins uh, mainly. This seems to be a waving the white flag tank situation. Yannick and a couple days ago traded out. A couple of years back, Allen Robinson, Jalen Ramsey. These are not retained talent pieces for Super Bowl building potential. What are your thoughts on what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing?
1: No. Well, I think it's horrible. I think it's actually a bigger failure than what went on with the Dolphins last year. And that's because the Jaguars are only three seasons removed from an AFC championship appearance in which they nearly took down the Patriots and would have played in the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles. And who knows what would have happened there and way the way things could have gone differently. So that's a team that had a winning core and a winning formula, and it just completely lost it. It evaporated within the course of three seasons, and particularly what we've seen in the last year with the dumping off of players, as you mentioned, Jalen Ramsey, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, and uh, and Leonard Fournette just this week, um, the latter two. I-, I think that this is a team that is looking – that isn't interested in being at all competitive this year. I I stand by what I said in that dolphins video that I'm against any team that tanks. I don't think there's any place for it in the NFL. I don't think it's as particularly as effective in the NFL as it may be in other sports. And I really hate when fans embrace it. And that was my biggest issue with the Dolphins fans last year. Also, I got a lot of people on my mentions right now that are waiting for me to make a video about the Jaguars and their tanking. I waited until after week two to criticize the Dolphins. Uh, and, it, and you guys know how ugly those first couple of weeks were for the Dolphins. And, and, yeah, maybe I kicked them when they were down, when they were at their lowest. There's no doubt about that. But I'm going to wait and see what the Jaguars look like on the field because – COVID is the great leveling factor here this year. Who knows what they're going to look like, Uh, but I'm going to wait to see. And if after week two, you can count on a video.
0: Okay. Well, that kind of leads us right into this. So hindsight being 2020, watching the Bengals make some questionable changes at QB and things of that nature, do you still feel quite as strongly as far as where the Dolphins ended up being 5-11 and at the end of the season?
1: I want you to know that I was always talking about this through the prism of either a fan or a player, or if I were the commissioner. Uh, I never was denying the fact that if your team loses, you're going to get a better draft pick. Or if your team trades assets, you're going to get future assets that you can turn potentially into something better. I understand how tanking theoretically works, but I don't soften my stance in that if I'm a linebacker middle linebacker on that Bengals team last year when they made the move to bench Andy Dalton and they brought in Ryan Finley, who was not even close to being ready to start. I would say, man, I'm making 10 tackles a game where I'm busting my head into an opposing fullback or running back for an organization that is not even trying to win this year. Or if I was a fan and I'd say, Why am I paying money to watch this product when this team is not even trying to win? I was one
2: of those guys, and I went down for my first training camp last year. Killed me that I couldn't do it this year. But last training camp, you know, you still had Thompson, still had Drake, still had Fitzpatrick. And things seem to be, you know what? The talent on the roster is thin, but there's some top-heavy talent. You know, got a great left tackle, got a potential Pro Bowl safety. And then you, you really tried to throw out Adam Gase from, last, from the year before that. So basically, I'm going to preface everything with this is a very unique situation in Miami. Not Jacksonville. Certainly apples and oranges when going to the Sixers basketball reference, but I, I feel you, but it's apples and oranges to an extent. No one necessarily saw the massive, massive deals of the Tunzel, of the Fitzpatrick. But you know what? When you're able to build a roster with the, assets with the already youth on the team, there seemed to have been a plan with bringing in guys like a Reggie McKenzie bringing in who's a, a league executive from way back bringing in a, Mar, a you know a Marvin Allen from New England bringing in guys who are similar to Brian Flores and Chris Greer in their mindset. so there seemed to have been a plan that had to start with a demolition. That was my mindset. before you build, before you renovate you have to destroy and they actually did it quite well. What I think the Jaguars are doing is basically giving up to see what will happen. I think that the Dolphins have a very specific plan in place. They're doing it. And the coaching of Brian Flores, I think, turned the worst team in paper for a long time into one of the more heartfelt stories of a team to show what good coaching could do. Because I pride my talking about the Dolphins last year on a good, talented team can be destroyed by bad coaching. But a fantastic and well-coached team can pick up lesser quality talent. So with all the draft pick accumulation, there happens to be a foundation in place that started right before the implosion. That's where I think the difference is. And that's where I think week two, when you came, or week three, when you came out of it, there was two horrible games for the Dolphins. But you had to have kind of seen a little bit of what they were thinking because of all those draft picks, 10-plus draft picks, the next year draft picks. I don't see Jacksonville building a foundation at all. I think this is a massive implosion, much different than the Dolphins' hierarchy plan that goes even to the front office with a Tom Garfinkel running the show and everyone making sure that everything in that building is perfect for the fans, which was not the case in other regimes from top to bottom. I just think that the perfect storm started when a lot of noise was looking from the outside in saying how bad it was. And obviously not just you, Kevin. There was a lot of people who were saying how it was the most vile thing in the world to do this. But no player in the NFL tanks. No player goes out there and says, I want to lose. And when I heard the word tank, it really, and I'm going to, it ticked me off because I saw how those players worked.
1: I agree with that. I'll agree with you. When I said tank, I never meant that a player would specifically be trying to lose or that a coach, Brian Flores, anyone on his staff, will be doing something particularly trying to lose. It would have to be – and when I was talking about the NFL investigating, which, first of all, I, ne- I don't think the NFL would even want to do that um, because it would be a PR nightmare – even if they were able to find that a team was trying to lose, it would come from the front office. I'm talking about the suits at the top not acting in the best interest of their players. And I think a big difference between the Jaguars and the Dolphins too is that there aren't really any Jaguars fans nationally. There are fans in Jacksonville. I don't want to downplay that too much. But the Miami Dolphins are more of a national brand you see and you hear their fans. Um, the Jaguars are more or less a, a pretty small localized market. Um, so I don't think they're held to the same standard as a Miami Dolphins are by their fans. Uh, they're too fair weather. And so that's why I think you haven't seen, look at all the players they've gotten rid of, but they still have Doug Marone, you know? And I think that this 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 Jaguars – tank, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, this is worse and bigger than whatever the Dolphins were doing, because it's not just about, okay, how do we get the right quarterback and a couple other pieces to get to that next level? You know, we've been finishing around, you know, seven and nine, eight and eight, so many years. Uh, How do we get to that next level and, and meet the Patriots at the top of the division? The Jaguars, you're right. They don't seem to have a direction. They haven't had uh, any semblance of a winning culture installed and they've gotten rid of all of their good players. Um, while I will, I will be critical in the sense that the dolphins got rid of good players who immediately became stars, crucial contributors at other franchises. Uh, Laramie Tunsil was a stalwart left tackle for the Houston Texans and helped them get to the playoffs was crucial For Deshaun Watson, who had been sacked more than any quarterback in the league in the years before that, Uh, you had Mika Fitzpatrick, who automatically turned, transformed the Steelers defense into one of the top units in the league. And you had Kenyon Drake, who went on an absolute tear in the second half of the season for the Arizona Cardinals. So why weren't those players being... uh, productive or why weren't they part of the solution moving forward for the dolphins i guess was my issue because eventually you can't you're gonna get into a cycle if it doesn't turn around quick you know look how fast it's turned on the jaguars now if you're a first round pick of the jaguars if you're uh, a josh allen who was drafted a couple of years ago you're probably sitting there going well only going to be a year or two until I'm out of here. How hard are you going to go for that team knowing that you're probably going to be shown the door within a year or two because your franchise is directionless? And that's my biggest thing. I don't want fans to root for this stuff. If you root for your team to lose, you're a loser. It's plain and simple. Drew, I want to get your take on that because it seemed that Dolphin Nation was very, you
2: know, the tank for two a brand was, let's just call it it, it was a marketing scheme. It, yeah. it, it worked it's as good. a marketing scheme, as a hashtag. But then the hip. Then there's this guy named Joe Burrow. And then the Dolphins have a couple of wins under their belt. Now they're going for actual victory. So things, Drew, come on in with where you stood, what you knew, and, oh, man, that tank word, I hate it. I hate it. So there were essentially
0: a couple of different points in the season. Okay. There was the beginning of the season where I could see what they were trying to do. They were dumping a bunch of contracts. It all made sense to me that you had to, you had to clean up your mess because Miami had perpetually tried to get this one-star player or these two-star players to fix it. And then it happened. It's been happening for over a decade. So I understood what was happening there and I understood the mindset. Then right before week one, they churned the roster and as a dolphin's fan you're not really used to that roster churning to the level you're seeing, and I still believe there were th- there was a plan there they were trying to change things up they wanted to get a culture that would listen and then we went to week one and that was horrible then week two after a tape was made, then we get on and things started changing and, I, and you started to see that progression but I really think. And there were a lot of Dolphins fans that were actually rooting for the tank and were actually mad when they beat New York – or, yeah, when they beat New York. And, you know, thought that it was just – they purposely tried to go to overtime when they played the Redskins. So there definitely was a mindset there from some of the fan base that felt that way. Uh, I personally didn't, but – I'm not going to say I never had any doubts because there was a couple of rough games. How about yourself, Jason?
2: I mean, I, you're right. You said it very well drew with, there was points in the season, you know, it was a very, very tough roller coaster. that there were week three, you know, the score differential was like, what was it like 80 to seven? It, It was, it was horrible. But then there were some times like the Redskin game, you mentioned, Oh my God, they're trying to win the game. The call you play to win the game. Was that the right call? Yes. The play implementation. I, I don't remember the exact call. It wasn't a very good executed play. So then you thought maybe, oh, what are you thinking? Let's try to lose before overtime. But, you know, you fall over the goal line, you win the game. So you play to win the game. That was kind of my thought. And then if you look at the second half of the year, look at the offensive numbers. Things started to come together. And then you just started to see, look, if I'm, I'm never rooting for a loss against the Jets. Ever. Never rooting for a loss against the Bills ever and the same with the patriots so to me you know draft positioning i got you but it's football you play to better yourself as a team create a culture because if you keep on hitting the reset button after three years no one wants to come in there no no free agent wants to say i like what they're building but now you hear the free agents coming in excited not the big you know Ndamukong Suh splash type free agents, they didn't go out there and bring him in Ngakwe when they could have probably traded a couple of picks and then signed him for a huge contract like maybe another regime would have done. They're building things in the aggregate. They're bringing in team guys. Everybody who is speaking in these team press conferences are saying, I'm a football player. Whatever they need me, I'm going to play. Play me here, play me there. I'll do a role position, I'll do this. I don't see in the past guys that came in like that. Different scenario, different structure, and I just don't see whatsoever the Jaguars doing that. So last year, I was team, get the win when you can, you know, and they got five more than I think anyone expected. Kevin?
1: It did work out pretty beautifully. I mean, you know, it was kind of a roller coaster ride to get to Tua, but they got to it in the end. You know, you never would have thought they would have been able to do it by winning five games and Tua going fifth overall, but. It all worked out for them in the end, and I'm happy for Dolphins fans that they ended up getting what they wanted because that would be really, really sad if you spent all season rooting for your team to lose and then you didn't even get the player that you wanted in the end. This, I have this opinion from a, a, a personal standpoint. You know, Growing up, I was a Giants fan, and I'd watch all these Giants games, and, and the minute that it looked like you know they were mathematically eliminated or on the cusp of being eliminated, uh, my uncles would be like, I hope they lose, and they would, and they would come over. We watch the game, and they'd root for them to lose to the Philadelphia Eagles or the Dallas Cowboys, which to me is sacrilege. I I can't do that, you know. And and, and I like I don't even want to watch the game with you Uh, because uh, if you're living your life rooting for the off season and the draft, you know we only get sixteen games if your team doesn't make the playoffs. That's it, sixteen weekends, you know, where you get to watch your team play football and they're only going to win, you know, in a good year, you know, 10 of them, 12 of them, maybe in a great year. Uh, but, you know, I savor each win that I can get. Uh, if, in case you haven't noticed, Giants haven't been very good in the past decade either. So, uh, I, two <laughs> Super Bowls and whoa, ah! hey, hey, whoa, It's true. That's true. I, I mean, I forgot I'm talking to Dolphins fans here. Oh. Right. <laughs> oh, oh! <laughs> All right, that invite
2: that's gone. Yeah, that 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 other invite that's gone, Kevin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but no, it's just, it's the way I watch the game. It's it's the way I consume it. Like you know, I think there's so many more. Uh, Outlets for you to be a fan now, whether uh, you do daily fantasy, you gamble or just regular fantasy or whatever, if your team stinks, um, then you have another outlet uh, to, to, to get your rooting interest involved. And um, I think that's one of the sad things that's kind of leaving sports in general. Um, It is getting more popular and reaching more people and, And overall, that's a good thing uh, with all these new mechanisms. But like the old school fans, like you guys are Dolphins fans or like I was growing up a Giants fan. uh, I really do think uh, they're the core of what makes sports great. Um, I mean, how many people talk to you about their fantasy lineup and ask you a question? Should I start so-and-so or so-and-so? And you're like, I don't care about your fantasy team at all one because i got
2: (laughs) i'm one of those freaks i care way too much about
1: all things football but i I get where you're coming because one i got my own fantasy team i'm worried about and two i care way more about my team that i root for on sunday than than your fantasy team my real team that i root for so i mean i understand it serves every type of fan and that's a good thing for the nfl and all sports to do um but we should never forget that it's these crazy team-centric fans like you and I that made this league what it is today.
0: So that kind of gives me a follow-up question. So you play fantasy football. So I don't know if you've seen the Gardner Minshew commercial yet. For Bud Light, I
1: have, I have. So we actually did a post on it at, uh, at Pick Six. Um, so the deal is, if you draft Gardner Menchu in the first round of your fantasy draft, you're entered to win uh, a free case of Bud Light, um, which is a questionable fantasy choice just for a free case. However, if you win your your league with Gardner Menchu, uh, then you could get a full years worth of free Bud Light that's a little more worth it and also I don't believe you have to draft Minshew in the first round for that circumstance so I love of all the things I'm saying I hate about the Jaguars the one thing I do love is Minshew Mania and uh, he's just become a meme he's larger than life I I think it's a it's really fun to watch characters like that develop on like a weird team like there's very few teams that could host Minshew Mania but for some reason the Jaguars it works
2: that's really all they got going now I mean clearly they're putting all their chips in the middle of this Minshew table and uh you know all due respect to the choice I mean if I'm gonna draft Garner Minshew as my quarterback in a fantasy league I might think about it for a Porsche (laughs) I mean I, I told you I'm a little fantasy crazy some of the most leagues that I put the most effort in pride zero dollars where you put your twitter your twitter you know name and stuff like that so uh you know i'm the guy at the dinner that my wife is saying could you stop telling him who to start and sit if you get all fantasy get all fantasy, but uh it is part of the game but uh we got to get you out of here with how we get everyone else out of here and we're going to give it two for you we need two record predictions from you start off with the jaguars i think that'll be a little bit of a slower conversation
1: I don't think that the Jaguars, I mean, at this point, it's hard to see them winning a single game, I guess just because the AFC South uh, can be such a crapshoot uh, year in, year out. Uh, you know, maybe they sneak one against, um, you know, the Titans or the Texans maybe. Um, but honestly, I'm looking at, you know, they're coming for that. 0 and 16 crown with the Browns and the lions uh, maybe, maybe one in 15 or two and 14 is more realistic. Um, but I really don't think any, any wins. You have, if you have a free hundred dollar bet, you're putting it on a
2: winless Jaguars team.
1: Yeah, sure. Why not?
2: There we go. What do you think for the, uh, for the Dolphins? Now let's
1: take everything into consideration. I think uh, where that win total is going. I think they're going to be improved from last year, uh, but not, it's not going to be done yet, but it's going to be trending in the right direction. If there was a tank, "Quote unquote, it's over. Now it's about winning. Um, I think this year might be a little bit about l- learning how to how to win and compete. Uh, but we saw it in Week 17 with that win over the uh, New England Patriots. I thought that was a perfect springboard into this year. I'm going to say eight and eight with the wow. potential to go nine and seven. I think a lot hinges on the quarterback position and not necessarily." okay how fast can tua get along and get and get in the in the in the rhythm and going i really think ryan fitzpatrick is is a good quarterback and a big reason why they were able to instill and uh, you know a winning culture last year so i, I think they go as ryan fitzpatrick does uh, i think they did a, 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 him a big favor by getting him some running backs uh, this offseason uh, so he doesn't have to do that himself this year and uh, I I I, I'm looking at it realistically at eight and eight, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go nine and seven and are in that hunt for the uh, seventh seed in the AFC uh, because the AFC East, like who knows what that, that division is wide open. No one knows. No one knows what's going to happen. Drew, what say you to that analysis?
0: I would actually say he's fairly close on the back end. I'm, I'm at about seven on the low end myself. On the high end, I, I, of course, have higher aspirations, but then again, I'm a fan. So I'm going between seven and ten wins, remembering the fact that the Dolphins actually were only two plays away from being seven and nine last year. Right. The Redskins game and the Jets game. Yeah, the second,
2: game. That, yep, the second but, game.
0: But that would be my call. The
1: The one thing I'll say – and I've been saying this about all teams. I think because of how weird this season is and how we've had a condensed camp and and, and no preseason games, I think teams that are defensively oriented are going to have an advantage. The Teams that can play sound fundamental defense for the first eight weeks of the season to give you a chance for your offense to come along. You know, those reps that they normally got in the preseason, they're going to be getting them in weeks one through four now. So the Dolphins – Having a defensive minded head coach in Brian Flores fall into that category.
2: There you go, and let's. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how this season plays out. My prediction yeah. for wins, just because I got to throw it out there, I'm going to say eight and eight. But I'm going to give a little bit of a crazy asterisk here. The winner of the AFC East will have eight wins. It's going to be one of those divisions. Take. It's going to be one of those weird divisions where the winner. Whoever survives the black and blue division of the AAC East will win the title, eight wins. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on in. CBS Sports field football analyst Kevin Ballard, if you have any other things to get us out of here and let us know where we can find you. Zoom is yours, sir.
1: Find me on Twitter. It's my name. Check out the Pick 6 podcast, and if you really like me, I got my own podcast that is not affiliated with CBS Sports called Off the Clock that I do with Jordan Dejani another CBS sports writer. It's a little more unbuttoned uh, than what we do for CBS sports. So if you are a ravenous fan and you want more of me, I can't imagine there's a lot of Dolphins fans who are looking for more of me, but I appreciate you at least give, (laughs) let me give the plug, Jason.
2: Anytime, Kevin. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much, my friend. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate you guys.
0: This episode brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Available in the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website thrivefantasy.com. Use the promo code FINADIX when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today.